Hi, my name is Scott and I'm a member with Restored Church. If you're new, we want to welcome you and thank you for tuning in. We believe the church is not an event, but a family you belong to. So we would love the opportunity to connect with you. If you want to learn more about our church or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website www.RestoredTemecula.Church and click on Contact. We also have a mobile app with resources including our Sunday messages, information about upcoming events, and other ways to connect. You can download our app on the Apple or Android app stores. With all that said, we hope you enjoy the message. I love you guys. gentlemen, boys and girls, go ahead and grab a seat. We're going to get started here. Looking forward to this. All right, we'll get that rolling. Great. Now there's a mad dash for the treats. You guys had a countdown timer of five minutes to get your treats. Close the treats. Close them. There's literally a mad dash for scones right now. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, thank you to everyone, whoever brought the, uh, the treats, man. Courtney, where are you at, Courtney? I see your husband. Where are you at? She's back there. Thank you, Courtney. Very kind of you. Very kind of you. All right. I'm officially starting the timer. Guys, thanks for making it here today. I know there's, I'm looking around and I think we're missing a good chunk of our crew, which is a bummer because this morning's like really important. <clears throat> um, this morning is what we are calling a family meeting. Those two words are intentional. We believe the church is a family. It's not an event. It's not a business. It's not a building. You aren't at church. You're with the church. Um, we get to relate to God as Father because of who God is and what he's done through Jesus, and that has implications on how we relate to each other as brothers and sisters. We are the family of God. This is a family meeting, so as much as you can, I want you to envision um, in the same way that a family would be gathering in their living room to have a important discussion or to uh, meet about specific intentional topics or different things. That's what we're doing here. So I know that these chairs are not like a comfortable couch, but if you can imagine that they are, we're sitting in a living room or we're even sitting around the table like Eric so eloquently described, that's what we're doing this morning. So very different. If, um, if we haven't met yet, my name's Tom. I have the privilege of providing leadership to Restore Church as the lead pastor on eldership with my wife, Ebony, Eric and Heather Berga. And yeah, if we haven't met, I just want to say hi and I'd love to meet you. This morning, like I said, will be different for those of you that are newer this is not how we would typically run a Sunday gathering, but it's, it's really important this morning, okay? The reason that it's not normal is because we're going to go a little bit longer. Uh, don't worry, I'm going to give you another five-minute break here in about, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour. But we're going to go a little bit longer than we normally would because we have some housekeeping stuff to address and really some vision stuff. So this isn't going to be like a, a typical sermon. So if you're expecting me to do a ton of like Bible expositing, that's, that's not going to happen. I'm going to do some but it's not going to be a typical sermon. It's going to be much more of a family meeting, okay? So I'm going to talk for a bit here and go through three things that I'll get to in a second. And then we're going to take a short break where you can, if there's any scones left, although I highly doubt it, uh, you can grab some of that, you know, get, get water, use the restroom. And then I'm going to call Tracy and Dorian up and they're going to share for a little bit as well, okay? So that's where we're headed this morning. Now, 
I want to kind of put in front of us where we've been the last several months, really the last almost two years now, okay? So go on a journey with me really quickly. March 2020, COVID hits, the world changes, everything shuts down. We are in lockdown, right? We got all of our gatherings move online. It's this really disorienting time. Kids are out of school. Everyone's like, what's going to happen? March 2020, right? Like I said, gatherings move online. We're unable to gather on a Sunday to worship and praise Jesus together in person for over a year. I was reflecting on that this morning. That's a long time. That was a wild season. Over a year, we're unable to gather in person on a Sunday to praise Jesus together, okay? And then God in his goodness and his grace provides this space that you're sitting in right now for us. And so since March of this year, we've been gathering here on Sunday mornings in person. And what we did was, if you remember, we went through a series we titled Reset. And it was basically this idea of renewing our devotion to Jesus and his ways. So we hit the reset button as a church, right? And we talked about this idea that spiritual maturity, it's not determined by how long a person's been a Christian. It's determined by something else. It's determined by what they're devoted to. We talked about, you know, Acts chapter 2, it says that they, these brand new baby Christians, they devoted themselves to all these beautiful realities, all these beautiful things. Essentially, they devoted themselves to Jesus, his ways, and each other in radical ways. And they were brand new Christians. And we were like, man, if we contrast the maturity that these brand new Christians are exhibiting with some of the maturity that we see in the Western church, they're like on two totally different pages. So therefore... Spiritual maturity is not determined by how long a person's been a Christian, how long they've been going to church, etc., etc. It's determined by what they're devoted to, right? And we talked about how we want to follow in the footsteps of these very first Christians. We want to devote ourselves to Jesus, to his ways, and to each other. And we talked about our discipleship strategies as a church and renewing our devotion to those things. We talked about each of our six core values as a church that that we want these to be things that actually characterize us as individuals and therefore characterize us as a community of believers. Uh, The gospel is our first one. Family, not business, not event. The church is a family. We depend on the Holy Spirit. We need him. We look to him. Uh, We want to be people who are like Jesus or sent on mission. We're intentional in the way we live our lives to see disciples made. We want to give ourselves over to a multiplying story, not just adding people to a local church, but really giving ourselves over to seeing disciples multiplied and leaders multiplied and churches multiplied, gospel communities multiplied. And then finally, renewal, our sixth core value. We want to see, we actually want to see, we don't just want to see, we want to participate. And God, what he's doing, seeking the renewal of all things. Nothing's off limits. We talked about that together. I want to put that in front of you, remind you. And then we spent, we finished off, we've been going through the Gospel of John a little bit. We finished that off, putting Jesus in front of us is a wonderful, wonderful thing to do every Sunday. And then more recently, we just wrapped up a series we titled Be Ready. And the subtitle of that series was The Harvest is Plentiful. And that was kind of more of a a bit of a prophetic, I feel like, series for us of like, what is God inviting us into? What is he doing through all of this turmoil, all of this, I don't know, disorientation? And we really believe that God is preparing for us some specific opportunities in really two ways, right? Healing in the church. So this is like, like God meeting us in our time of need. Man, every single human heart 
and the world has suffered traumatically the last couple years with all that's gone down. So there's going to be significant need among us. So God preparing us to love each other the way we've been loved by Jesus, right? So healing, love, care, needs being met in the church and also harvest in the field. When I say the field, I mean like the mission field, outside of the church. Men and women and boys and girls who have needs as well for whom the gospel would satisfy their deepest need. We felt like God's really preparing us as a community with these opportunities to really to love each other and to love the world with intentionality. What today is going to be is it's going to be a kind of a building off of where we've been with those two series, building off of those. We're going to focus on where we are currently and where we're going. And so here's what I want to do. I want to talk about three specific areas this morning. All right. Uh, They're this. I want to talk about venue, which is where you're sitting right now, a space. I want to talk about finances. I'm going to give you all the numbers. You can see everything that's happening with the church finances. And I want to talk about spiritual formation. The vast majority of my time is going to be on spiritual formation because this is the, that's kind of the main event this morning. But before I jump into that, I want to give you a bit of a heads up. Uh, a warning, if you will, okay? Warning. Some of you are going to be, some of you might be tempted this morning. You might be tempted because of what I share. And, and, and the way that I think that some of us might be tempted is you might be, you might be tempted to feel discouraged. And I just want to warn you, okay? But hear me. I'm not discouraged. We are not discouraged. I'm honestly kind of fired up. I'm really excited. I believe we find ourselves in a season of tremendous opportunity, all right? In an uncertain, disoriented, divided world and culture, I feel like, just like we talked about in our Be Ready says, I feel like we have a tremendous opportunity in front of us to witness, that means see, and to participate in God's kingdom advancing on the earth, hear me, in historic ways. I'm I'm not blowing smoke right now. I'm honestly telling you, this is an hour that I believe will be historic. And I'm really, really, really excited. So you might be discouraged by some of the things I share or maybe concerned. I'm not. I'm fired up. I'm stoked, okay? So before I jump into these three things, venue, finances, spiritual formation, I want to pray. So will you join me? Let's pray. Father, the silence actually feels really nice. Thank you for loving us and always taking care of us. Thank you that there's nowhere that we can hide from your love. You are the pursuing God, (laughs) the one pursuing us all the time. And so we just pause in reverence and honor of your holiness, of your goodness, of your grace, and of your mercy, and of your love, and of your faithfulness to us. And Lord, would you help me to communicate effectively this morning? I know this is just like a different morning, but I don't want anybody to miss out. I don't want to miss out. There's a lot of things that are at work to distract us or divide us or discourage us. 
And my prayer, Holy Spirit, is that you would help us see things from your perspective this morning, a kingdom perspective. You will not be stopped. So Jesus, speak to us through your spirit. Bless us this morning. We love you. And all God's people said, amen. Okay, uh, venue. Ah, uh, man. So the last, as you can imagine, the last year and a half, almost two years, has been really challenging for like a lot of churches. Now, I have, I know churches personally, I know leaders personally, that uh, in Southern California, larger churches than us, when I say larger, I mean larger, uh, like more members, more people that would actually like belong to that church, uh, larger budgets, larger staffs, that um, specifically because of, you know, lockdown happening in March of 2020 and then not having space to gather and not being able to find space to gather. I know of churches that are more established than us that have been going longer that have shut down because they cannot find gathering space. And we say it all the time, and these are healthy churches. Like, this is not church. We are not at church. We are the church. We gather for a purpose on a Sunday. But guys, like, legitimately, this gathering space issue that churches are finding themselves in in this season is, it's real. It's a real challenge. And I, I say that to you not to discourage you, but just so that you know Churches are shutting down because they cannot find gathering space. And you might say, well, yeah, but the church is the people. They can continue on. Absolutely. But imagine for me, with just for just a second, those of you guys that have been journeying with us before um, COVID hit, imagine if we were still online because we couldn't find a gathering space. Um, it was in March when we, we were at Margarita Middle School gathering on Sundays, March 2020. And from that point forward, there's still, the whole entire Temecula Valley Unified School District has still not given anyone any indication of when facility use will be available to the community. And so that's still happening. Thank goodness. I mean, Date Street right here is literally the border between Myriad and Temecula, but God his grace has provided this space because thankfully the Myriad Valley Unified School District is functioning a little bit differently where they're letting um, minimal use uh, for, for community use for the facilities. But guys, imagine if we were still not without a gathering space. There's, that's what where churches are finding themselves at. And you can imagine that the challenge it is for each individual disciple to be intentional with their following Jesus when they're not able to connect with the body in person in a meaningful way. So I still have to say is like churches have, have been shut down, literally have shut down, have stopped continuing together. Pastors have stopped pastoring. People have stopped gathering together because of something as simple as just venue challenges, okay? Why do I say that to us? I believe that gathering in schools is, at the very least, it's more uncertain than it's ever been, okay? Early on when we started the church planning journey, even with the very first restored church in uptown San Diego and North Park, like we, we realized very quickly with church planning, schools are the way to go, man, because for multiple reasons. Number one, you get, an, you get like an in to the community. You have an opportunity to like bless people and get to know the students and the teachers and the faculty and like be integrated into the community and not just be the separated or separated community, right? So it's an amazing opportunity on that front. It's also incredibly cost effective. It's way cheaper to rent school facility than it is to rent anything else. So it's, it's an amazing opportunity, right? So we learned that really, really quickly. So all of our churches have been like, okay, best bet financially, best bet for mission, best bet in general is to find a school, meet there on Sundays, and it's great. 
Currently, what we're doing here with Warm Springs Middle School, which genuinely, hear me, genuinely grateful to God for this space, guys. Okay? Uh, currently, we pay $3,000 a month-ish, give or take, to rent this space. It's, it's more, with a, like when there happens to be five Sundays in a, in a calendar month, it's a little bit more, but it's right around that. Okay? And so here's what I want to ask you to do. With all of the potential mandates and different things happening, I'm not going to comment on that politically. What I am going to say is, it's never really in my lifetime, it's never been more uncertain uh, for us to be able to gather, or other churches to be able to utilize schools. That's never been more uncertain than it is currently. And so I think it would be unwise for us to bank on being in this space long term. If we are, and God provides it, then wonderful, great, we can continue to do what we're doing. But I want us as a community to really begin to investigate what it would look like for us to find another space. Whether things change with Temecula Valley Unified School District, although I don't necessarily see that happening, or whether there's another space that we can rent or whatever, here's my request to you. I want you to join the search party, (laughs) okay? A hundred adults looking for space is very different than five or six. Wouldn't you agree? And I know many of you have like, there's been a handful of people that I've talked to that are like trying to work out some creative things and I'm really, there's some cool potential, but nothing's fully solidified yet. But I would love for us as a community to do this together to really seek what the Lord might have for us for gathering space, okay? And just so that you know kind of what we need in, in terms of a space is it's not a ton, but there are some specific things. We need to be indoors, okay? Uh, we need to be indoors, especially in, in, the, in the warmer months, it's important to be indoors, uh, we don't need much for a gathering space, just kind of a big open space. We don't need a stage. We don't, we don't do that anyway. Purposely don't do the stage because we're in this together, right? So we just need kind of like a, a larger open room uh, to gather for worship. One of the things that is, 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 is actually really important for us is divided spaces for children. Uh, you guys know that we have uh, 100,000 children in this church. <laughs> Uh, there's more of them over there, I think, currently than there is of us in this room, which is a beautiful, amazing thing. We'll get to that in just a bit. But we, it's, it's, it's important for us to have intentional spaces for each age and stage of life for those children on Sundays. And whether that means just kind of dividing a room or finding classrooms or just rooms in general, that's a huge win for us. As grateful as we are for the space that you currently are sitting in, it presents us some challenges, okay? And, and again, I don't want to come across that we're not thankful for what we have. We really, really are, okay? Um, but some of the challenges that we face are we actually don't have access to classrooms. So I'm going to call up Dorian and Rosie, or Dorian, Dorian and Tracy in just a little bit. Um, and the plan was for us to sit in, Dorian's, or Rosie's like, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> hope you're ready with your three-point outline, Rose. Uh the plan was we were going to have some like stools up here and be able to sit and kind of chat, but we, they won't, we can't, we, we can't even get stools from one of the classrooms. It's, it's that, uh, it's that, um, what's the word? Strict. Yes. Which I mean, I respect it. It's, we're using their space. So we want to honor that, but we don't have access to classrooms for kids, which has been challenging. As you know, we've been utilizing the gym. Thank goodness they give us that. And then just making it work outside in different spaces. Tracy and many of you on the team have done like the best they possibly can to utilize this space. And I think we've done a great job as a church doing so, but it's obviously not ideal. Um, many of you parents know it's not an ideal situation. So we don't have access to classrooms. Um, we're utilizing the trailer every week to bring things in, set things up. Obviously, setup's part of the gig. It's part of what you do. But the transporting of all of the things back and forth 
it, it's a challenge, it's difficult, it's not ideal. And maybe the most important thing uh, when it comes to challenges is the uncertainty piece. We don't even have a lease. The schools don't do lease. They do kind of like first come, first serve. You get dibs on a certain chunk of time. But as it was in March of 2020, the notice was 24 hours. It wasn't like, it wasn't like, hey, you know, you can finish out your month. It's very much a, a week by week basis. So those things are some of the challenges that we face. Again, genuinely grateful to the Lord, genuinely grateful to the school and their faculty and their administration for letting us use this space. But I want you guys to be fully aware of the challenges that we face that are beyond our control so that everyone can know and so that you can know and so that you can join the search party, okay? Be looking out, whether it's conversations with people or trying to identify anything. We're open and creative to a bunch of different things, but I want to put that before you and ask you, join the search party, please. Okay? And guys, like I said, I don't want you to be discouraged by this. I'm confident. I'm genuinely confident. God has provided for us in miraculous ways since before we even started the church. He's he's not done. He's not like abandoning us. Honestly, probably for over a year now, we've been praying as 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 a staff team. And one of the things that I feel like God said very clearly is that he has something very custom for us, very specialized for our community. He loves us. He's our father. So we can do two things that I want to put before you. I want to ask you to please pray and please look. Cool? Can you give me a thumbs up if you're on board? Great. Awesome. Okay. That is venue. Next, finances. Will you guys pull up that slide for me, the one with like all the pie graph stuff? Hopefully you guys can see this. Uh, I did not anticipate the text would be that small. I'm sorry. Uh, it, looked a lot, it looked a lot bigger on my laptop. That is not the tech team's fault. They are working hard to serve us. Uh, if you can see this, great. If you can't, I'm going to read it to you. If you uh, I'll send it, we'll send it out to the gospel communities too. That way you guys can have it on your phone and you can see this. But let me, let me pull this up on my end here quick because I want to walk you through some things. Uh, it's really important for us to just be totally open and transparent about money. Uh, people tend to get kind of freaked out about money in the church. Uh, and, I, and I understand why, because there really is a history of people abusing, people in authority in the church abusing money. And really, like, frankly, abusing their power and their authority for money. They want money. And they don't, they don't steward it or manage it well. And I understand. There's sketchy stuff that goes down sometimes in the church. Um, but that's, why, that's one of the reasons why we want to be totally transparent about here's what's going on. Okay? So I want to walk you through this really quickly. Uh, this reflects uh, from March of this year to yesterday. Okay? So uh, I want to walk you through these, kind of, these categories here. Money in. Uh, so far since March, uh, tithes and offerings have been a little over $282,000. Amazing. Wonderful. Great. Okay. Uh, here's the money out. Here's the expenses. We have kind of broke, broken, we've broken it up into buckets so that you can see here. Uh, the first one, administration, uh, administrative, ministry expenses, digital, which is like all, everything digital, website, planning center, all that stuff. Insurance. Uh, we, have, we have to have a $2 million insurance policy to meet in the schools, which is not cheap. It's kind of a bummer, but it is what it is. We also have a bucket for like the worship gathering. So that would include rent and speakers and everything that you see. Uh, kids supplies, those kinds of things. Special events is another bucket. Our annual Christmas party would be a category with that. Different trainings, different special events that we do. Missions and generosity are the final two. And those, there's some overlap there, but the difference really is uh, the missions one is, is specifically to like missionaries. 
both foreign and domestic, whereas the generosity is kind of more all-encompassing, like give love would fall under generosity, uh, giving to church plants, like specifically literally writing checks to other church plants, that would fall under that category. Um, benevolence would fall into that category, those kinds of things, okay? So those are, your, those are your pies. Those are your different slices of the pie. Here's what I want to point out to you. Um, you know there's a difference between like being proud and taking pleasure. I want to be careful with my language here because I almost said I'm proud of this. I take so much pleasure in this, guys, and here's why. Because our top three things, our top three expenses in this order, number one, administration, the, the large bulk of that, it's not all of it, but it's a good chunk of that administration, is just freeing people up for ministry. So it's investing in ministers to free up their time so they can be available for the mission. Make sense? That's, that's the biggest one. That's the big one there. It's like almost 60%. It's 58%, I think is what it is. The second biggest expense for our church is generosity. That means we give away. Our second biggest expense is giving money away to other kingdom purposes outside of ourselves. It's a beautiful thing. I love it. I'm so, I take so much pleasure in that, guys. In a, in a, especially in a culture and in a generation where people are very skeptical of the church when it comes to money, I'm so proud of you guys in the ways that you're generous and the ways that we work together to give outside of ourselves. Beautiful thing, guys. And then finally, like our, our third biggest expense is gathering. And a lot of that's rent in those kind of bigger ongoing chunks. And so why do I take pleasure in that? The reason I take so much pleasure in that is because whenever you look at, think of it in your household. You look at your household budget or you look at how, your calendar. Your two most valuable resources, arguably, is your time and your money. Would we agree? Okay. So you can, you can learn a lot about your own personal priorities, the things that matter most to you in your life by what you spend your time doing and what you spend your money on. And I just want to tell you guys, I'm so, I take so much pleasure in knowing that our top three priorities as a church are freeing up people for ministry, giving money away for kingdom purposes, and gathering together to bless God. Like, if you're not clapping, I'm, you should be, okay? I'm genuinely proud of this. Take pleasure in it. Okay? Um, okay, so that's, you can examine that at your leisure later. I don't want to spend too much more time on that. You can look at all the things. Here's what I want to point out. A couple different things with this. So, so far, you can tell it says money left over. We are $33,500 in the red this year for our budget, like as of yesterday, okay? Now, that might kind of cause you to be like, dude, what are you guys doing with the money? This is, that's bad money management. Let me, I'll get to why we're there in just a second, okay? The next thing I want to draw your attention to is the monthly income and expenses piece. You probably can't read it because it's so small, but it's that purple thing down there in the corner. And what, what those two numbers are is there's a monthly median income and a monthly average expenses. So the reason we do it that way is because there's average versus median is different, okay? Uh, when, you, when you calculate the median of the income, it's way more effective in helping, helping give a clear picture of what a, what a regular month's income looks like. Because if you just do the average, there might, be, there might be one month where it's way down and one month where there's a large gift 
that really throws off communicating what's the, what's the, what's the real like similar monthly income look like. Okay, so that's why we did the median that you can see that there. And that is just over 24000 that comes in every month. Okay? As far as the average expenses... And we did average because, it, again, it helps, it helps present a, a more clear picture of what the average expenses are every month. Uh, that is $33,000. So if you do the math quickly, that's $9,000 a month in the red. Now, before you freak out, again, you might be discouraged, right? This isn't bad news, and here's why. That $9,000 disparity, uh, a really large portion of that, not all of it, but a large portion of that is, is Dorian's salary coming on staff. To lead our youth. And the reason why we went, you know what, this is the time, even though monthly giving is where it's at, and there's a disparity here post-COVID. I'll get into that in a second. We're, we're, in a, we're giving is down since COVID, as you can imagine. But the reason why we're 9,000 in the hole, a, a, a large chunk of that is on purpose. Because we're looking at it going, okay, we have, I don't know, a dozen or more, and, an, and increasing, it's increasing from there. We have a dozen or more youth in the church, and they're priceless. Their development, their spiritual formation, their discipleship, like, who wants to put a price tag on that? Try to convince me it's not priceless, okay? And we, not only do we have them present as a part of our church, a valuable part of our church, but we have an army of young children who are entering into that age and stage of life very soon. And so the responsible, wise thing for us to do, we're convinced from the Lord, that the responsible, wise thing for us to do in this season is to begin building out some structure and space for the spiritual formation of children and then into youth. Tracy's been doing a fantastic job donating all of her time to build this out in the past, and we have some more intentionality that we're doing, but integrating Dorian in to help lead the way in that and partner with parents for the spiritual formation of kids. That's why we're in the red so much every month, Okay. Uh, and, and another thing, this is what's really cool, is our reserves in cash really give us the confidence to be able to do this in this season. We have $370,000 in savings. Okay, that's fantastic. Uh, the reason I say that's fantastic is because every mentor that I know of that's, that's spoken in my life, coaching, whether it's church planting or, or pastoring or whatever, have said, have a minimum of six months of operating expenses because you just never know. And most guys are saying now post-COVID, you might need to have some more just because you do not know what's going to go down, which I think there's a lot of wisdom there. So we have that plus a little bit more. So there's some wiggle room here. If we dig in $9,000 a month for even a year, we're going to be okay, okay? We thought, not thought, we really, be, really believe that the Spirit's leading us into this space of now's the time to, to make this investment um, in our kids. You guys with me in this? Okay, so that's the kind of big picture here. Uh, just to give you some clarity, 2021, for the rest of this year, we're on pace. So far, we're 33500 in the red. We're on pace uh, to be about $50,000 in total in the red that we would take out of that savings at the end of this year. That's to meet the an- annual budget, the annual operating expenses. Okay? One of the things that I think is important to note is pre-COVID, our monthly expenses and our monthly giving was right about it. I mean, give or take, in the green 500, in the red 500, depending on the month. So it was right there, okay? Pre-COVID, we're rocking and rolling. We're in a good spot. Uh, about a third of our adults, I don't know if you know this, look around, 30% of the adults that were part of our church pre-COVID are not here anymore. 
So you can imagine what that does to your bottom line. You can imagine too. Honestly, we all felt the, we all felt the, 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 the disorientation and the sadness of, of seeing people go. And most people went following the Lord. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, although it's, it's, always, it's always a bittersweet thing when, when people move on. But I say that because it has affected giving is different than it was pre-COVID. Thankfully, you see many new faces. People have joined the community, like lovely, amazing people. Some of you have like really latched on and, and, and joined the family, and we're so grateful that you're here, not just because of money. Don't, don't hear what I'm sa- not saying. Genuinely like grateful to see the church getting more and more stable in terms of who we are, because we're people. Okay, so there is that. If you have any questions, we're down to talk about anything with money. Again, we're not weird with money. We want to... Um, be as transparent about it as possible. I don't know if you know this, but Jesus talked about money a lot. Um, he talked about money more than heaven. He talked about money more frequently than hell. He talked about money more frequently than sex. Okay? <clears throat> and the reason I believe that Jesus talked about money so often, so frequently, is because money maybe more than, maybe more than anything reveals what's happening inside of our hearts. And so Jesus, that's what he's after. He's after your heart. So really quickly, before we move on into the bulk of what I want to share with you with spiritual formation, I I want to address kind of three pockets of people within our church, okay? Uh, The first pocket that I want to address is those of you that are faithfully tithing. Those of you, uh, tithing, what it means is tenth. It's this idea, it's a biblical concept of giving 10% of what God has entrusted to you back to him as an act of worship. Those of you that are, some of you are giving more than 10%. Those of you that have been faithfully tithing, I just want to pause for a moment and say, thank you. Genuinely, like, thank you for your generosity. Our church would not exist without you faithfully worshiping God with the finances that he's entrusted to you. So hear me say thank you, okay? And I hope we talk about pride versus pleasure. I hope and I pray that you are able to genuinely give yourself over to celebrating and taking pleasure in all of the ways that God is caring for us, loving for us, blessing this church community. People have come to know Jesus in this community. People have been baptized in this community. God willing, there'll be a hundred kids who come to know Jesus and get baptized in this community. People are experiencing deep, soul renewal and healing. Like God's at work. It's been amazing. Stop and those of you that are genuinely like tithing, stop and reflect on the many stories of God's redeeming love playing itself out in this community. And just know that the investments that you've been making, they bear eternal fruit, man. Eternal fruit. It's incredible. Okay. You've partnered with God in some amazing ways. That's the first group. Thank you. Um, Second group, those of you guys that are giving regularly, hear me. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for your generosity. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Our church would most likely not exist without your generosity. I want you to, I want to put like flesh on the concept. People get weird about money. Where does it go? You saw where it went, okay? The church would not exist without your generosity, okay? The kingdom investments that you've been making, they're the best investment you could possibly make because they yield. That's what an investment is supposed to do, right? Is yield you a return. The return that's being yielded on that investment is eternal. It's beautiful. It's amazing, okay? Um, for those of you that are in that space, I'd like to make a couple requests to you, okay? Those of you that are giving regularly but not necessarily 
uh, a tenth. I want to please ask you, like, would you please prayerfully consider automating your giving? Uh, if you have not already, okay? This is super helpful for us. We talk about the, the inflow versus the expenses. It's really, really helpful to know, okay, this is what we, from making a budget standpoint, this is what we know is coming in every month. So if you're giving regularly and you have not yet set up like an automation, would you please consider doing that just because the, the benefits are so huge on our end in terms of administrating those kinds of things, okay? And if you, if you aren't yet tithing, if you're not yet in that space, would you prayerfully consider doing so? Would you go to the Lord with this, okay? God makes it super clear in the scriptures. I'm not gonna go too much into this. We did a series on giving that I'll refer you to in a second, but God's super clear on, on this, guys. Like, you can never outgive him. Like, ever. It's the one thing that he dares you to do in the scriptures. He goes, try me. You wanna test me on one thing, try to outgive me, okay? Uh, if you have any questions about finances, following Jesus with your finances, money, all the things... Uh, I want to say it's about a couple years ago now. We did a whole series, a whole sermon series called Treasure. And the subtitle was Following Jesus with Your Finances. If you have any questions, it, there's so much that's covered there. I want to refer that to you. It, it, it's, a, it's a helpful thing. Uh, and the third, the third piece. Um, for those of you that are uh, rarely giving financially or not giving financially at all, hear me for just a second, okay? Thank you for the other ways that you contribute to this church family in very, very meaningful ways. Okay, there's no condemnation here. This church would not be what it is without your very meaningful contributions that aren't necessarily finances. Do you hear me, everybody? Okay, this can't become the hierarchy of like, this is the church where like, these people give them more, so they get the more benefits. And like, no, 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 no. Everyone's on a unique journey of following Jesus. And our desire as a community is to help everybody with their next step, okay? Our church would not be what it is without you. I'd like to make a couple requests if you're in that spot, okay? Rarely giving or not giving at all. Would you prayerfully consider financially giving to the mission of contributing and investing finances? Tithing, the 10th piece, it's a great place to start. I also recognize that every household is different. There are unique challenges. There's unique dynamics and relationships and all the different things. I understand that completely. So if, if a tenth is something that you'd like someday need to work towards or a goal that you have over time, like my family, our goal is we want to give away more each year than we did the year prior. That's not something you start overnight. That's something you have to make plans to each year, okay? So if you need to start at 5% or whatever, like start somewhere. Start somewhere. It's a beautiful thing. Like God, it, it brings God pleasure to see a cheerful and sacrificial giver. It really, really does. So don't feel condemned. View it as the next step in you surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus over your life and experiencing um, more and more of his blessings and his care, okay? Pray and ask God where he'd have you to start. And then if you would, if, if, if you get cleared in the green light with that, would you please automate it as well? Huge help to us, Okay. Again, any questions or concerns that anybody has, you need help with budgeting, you're trying to figure out how to make it work, like I want to highlight two helpful resources to you. One, Eric and I are pastors, we would love to help support you in this and taking steps to do that practically. Um, and then the second thing is, like I said, the, uh, the, the series on giving called Treasure. You can listen back to that. We cover a bunch of stuff, guys. Not trying to like 
toot our own horn, but I think it's a really helpful series practically to worship God in every area of life, especially in your finances. We talk about stewardship. We talk about budgeting. We talk about saving. We talk about tithing and giving and spending. We, we spent a whole message on enjoying. I don't know if you know this, but God is your father who loves you. And one of the major reasons he gives you what he does is so that you can enjoy it. Okay, we don't want to do the false like prosperity gospel thing. And we also don't want to do the poverty gospel thing as though God created you to be poor. Both are fallacies, okay? We talk about investing, all those sorts of things. So if you want to refer back to that, you can. Okay. Main event. You guys ready? Spiritual formation. Beautiful. This is the first time in my life I've ever been this deep into a talk and not open the Bible yet. So please don't throw anything at me, but go ahead and grab your Bible. We're going to jump into the scriptures. Matthew 28, the final chapter in Matthew's gospel. You guys with me? You okay? The scones hopefully giving you some sugar and some energy. Great. Well, well done, Courtney. Matthew 28, the final five verses of Matthew. Uh, these are Jesus' last words to his disciples. I don't know if you know this, but last words are usually really important. They carry a lot of weight. Not only are Jesus' last words, but these are the last words that Matthew writes in his gospel account to Jesus. All right? The Great Commission, let's read it together, verse, uh, starting in verse 16, going through the end into verse 20. The 11 disciples, remember Judas had betrayed Jesus, so now there's not 12, there's 11. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. Real place, I've been there with my wife, it's gorgeous. <clears throat> verse 17, when, when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. That's a whole, that whole verse, is, that's, a, that's another sermon in itself. They, they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. This is the resurrected Jesus, by the way. Verse 18, Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay, I want to spend a few moments just kind of breaking this down, specifically verses 19 through 20, the Great Commission, right? This is, this is a big deal. The first thing there, it says go. That's an important word, okay? Go. I don't know if you know this, but every single Christian is commissioned by Jesus. Think about that. The God of the universe has commissioned you. He's, he's given you not just permission, but he's given you an assignment. Go. Okay? And when you think about go, you think of less of self and more outwards. Okay? So whether it's going down the hall to your child or to a roommate or to a spouse or to a friend, or it's going across the world, it's go. Okay? Every Christian is commissioned by Jesus. Now, I don't know if you know this, we talked about this quite a bit in the last series, but your primary calling is not to a place, it's not to a task, it's not to a career. Your primary calling is to what? People. You guys listen, yes, people. Your primary, your primary calling in life is to people. So Jesus is giving a clear command to go for the sake of people, okay? Your primary call is to people. And he says, go to them and make disciples. There's been some like, interesting teaching that I've heard about this recently. It's kind of, at first it perked my ear up and now I'm kind of irritated by it. People have said things like, well, like 
when you disciple someone, disciple's a noun, it's not a verb. It can be. A person, place, or thing, that's a noun, right? A verb is something that you do. So I've heard people say, like, discipleship, like, I discipled him, or she discipled her, or whatever. They've said, I've heard this thrown around quite a bit, actually. Like, that's actually a misrepresentation of the scriptures, because a disciple's a noun, it's not a verb, so you're kind of doing your own thing. Like, Jesus is the one that does that. Yeah, of course, he does it through the power of his spirit through his people. But this is a verb in the Greek. Make disciples is a verb. It's something that you do. Like, you actually do it. This idea of making disciples. It is a verb. It's something that you engage in. And it comes from an assignment given to you from God himself, through Jesus, to all of his disciples. We define disciple as someone who's learning. That's what a disciple means, a learner. Okay? Someone who's learning to enjoy Jesus, obey Jesus, and operate like Jesus in every area of life. So nothing's off limits. He's the Lord of it all. Okay, that's why we spend a little bit of time talking about money. We want him to rule over everything. We want his kingdom to come everywhere. That's what his kingdom is, is his rule, his reign, his way. It's the best thing to flourish as a human, okay? So a disciple is someone who's learning to enjoy Jesus, obey Jesus, and operate like Jesus in every area of life. It's a disciple, hear me, is someone who's being formed into his likeness. That's Paul's language in 2 Corinthians. So you're being formed into the likeness of Jesus. What would Jesus look like, talk like, act like if he was you? You don't get rid of your unique personality. You don't get rid of your uniqueness that God created you with. But it's this piece of what would Jesus do if he was you? You're being formed into his image, into his likeness, okay? So hear me. The purpose of your life this is big. If you, if you leave nothing, nothing else this morning, hear this. The purpose of your life is to become like him. To become like him. It's a big deal, okay? Go, make disciples. Be formed into the likeness of Jesus. Of what? What does it say? Track with me. Throw it up there again, guys. Make disciples of... All nations, absolutely. For those of you guys that joined us at the Family of Churches Retreat, Maria talked about this for a little bit. It was spectacular. It was such a good talk, right? This is the whole world, all nations, okay? But it's not just like every nation with like borders and customs and governments. It's every people group. That transcends borders. That's a deeper, more um, specific thing. All people groups, okay? That means every age and stage of life. There's a lot of uniqueness here. Jesus is like, I want them all. I love them all. I want them all. No one's off limits, okay? No one's off limits. God desires to redeem every flavor of brokenness in every type of person, everywhere. You with me? All people groups, all nations, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, right? Go, therefore, make disciples of all people groups. And then it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptizing them. Interesting. What is that? Is that just like make sure they get baptized? That's a portion of it, but it's, it's much more, it's, it's deeper than that. It's more beautiful than that. Baptizing them. What happens during baptism? Someone is in the water and they, they get immersed. So there's language of being baptized in the Spirit. Right? It's this idea of immersion. You're, you're fully immersed, okay? Uh, that, that's kind of why the act of water baptism is so beautiful. It's symbolic, but it's, the beauty in it's so deep. 
The act of water baptism is such a comprehensive and beautiful symbol. It's, it's, a, it's a living picture of, of being soaked, of being immersed in him and his grace and his love and his mercy. And the result is new life. So you, the old you dies with Christ and the new you is raised to life. Why? As you're immersed in everything that he is. So when you think of being, like what, the language here of baptizing them, yeah, of course it means like if someone's, a new, if someone's a new believer and they give their life to Christ and they say, yeah, I, I want to follow him. He's my Lord. He's my king. And he saved me. Yes, the baptism is a big piece of that. It's an it's a, it's a external showcase of an internal reality. But it's so much more than that, what's happening here. He's saying to baptize them in the name of the Father and the, and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's this idea of immersing them in everything that God is. That's what, that's what name means with this culture. So we use name as like, Harrison, I'm calling out to him because I'm talking to him. Lisa, I'm calling out to her, I'm talking. It's what we call each other by. Way more, like way deeper in their culture. Because a a name in their culture was their essence. It It was everything that they were. You with me? So when we say baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it's immersing them in everything that the Father is everything that the Son is, everything that the Spirit is, fully immersing them in that. You with me? And then he says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. That word observe, what it means is it means to continually obey. So to like continue. So if you look at the line graph of your obedience, if you're anything like me, it's like, I'm obeying, obeying. Oh, I totally didn't. I'm obeying, obeying. Oh, I totally didn't. Like, but the upwards trajectory is a continual upward slope of obedience to God. It's in this direction over time. You with me in this? So it's this idea of continuing on, keep going on. And when you recognize that you're not, repent and turn around so that the, you continue to obey him and his commands. You with me? Great. That's the Great Commission. This idea to observe, to keep on obeying all that he's commanded, it involves both the how, teaching them how to obey. That's pragmatic. That's practical. We talk about this often. You'd be shocked how many Christians don't know how to pray. They would learn if they were discipled, right? How many Christians don't know how to read their Bible? Like they don't know how it's laid out. They don't know what the things are. I don't say that to condemn anybody. That's just like we need to teach each other. We need to disciple each other in the ways of Jesus. So it involves both the how, the practical, how do you do this, and the why. Why do I do this? Do I do this to look good in God's eyes? Do I do this to gain favor with him so he'll bless me? Do I do this for a plethora of other reasons, the, uh, to look cool in front of you guys because I know the Bible and I can get up here with a face mic and talk? Do I, why? I do it because he's loved and served me. That's the, the, the gospel is not just our message, it's our motivation. We talk about this often. So when Jesus says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, it's the how and it's the why. I obey Jesus and I keep obeying Jesus, not because I want to get to heaven. I do it because he loved me and gave himself for me. And I want to please him. I don't do it to get something from him. I do it because he's given me his blood and his heart and his love and his mercy and his kindness. And I get to be part of his church, his family. You with me? How? Practical, pragmatic. How do you do this? and why you do it. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Okay? That's the mission of the church. 
It's the mission of the church. Have you ever seen any like army movies, like any, any military movies, World War II, whatever? You have a troop and they're literally giving a, given a mission that they're willing to give their lives for to go accomplish. If you ever watch Band of Brothers or Saving Private Ryan or fill in the blank, there's a mission. And it's like, dude, this is, the, this is the point. This is the assignment. This is the mission. This is the mandate from the king of their universe. This is the mission of the church, to make disciples. People that are being formed into the likeness of Jesus, that are becoming more like him, that are learning to enjoy him and obey him and operate like him in every area of life. It's the mission of the church in Temecula. It's the mission of the church all over the world. It's our mission. It's why we exist. It's why every Sunday we gather, we pull the kids up and go, this is a living picture of why we exist. To see, to see men and women and boys and girls, regardless of where you're at in your spiritual journey, your age or your stage of life, to grow in spiritual maturity, which is what? Being formed more into the likeness of Jesus, becoming more like him. That's what we're doing, okay? So listen, big question here. Turn on your listening ears. If you're a Christian in the room, we can all agree, Jesus has said this is the mission for each Christian and Christians at large of the church. If you're a Christian in the world, if you're a Christian in the room, how are you gonna do that? What's your plan? If you're gonna obey the great commandment, or sorry, the great commission, what's your plan? Like what are you gonna how are you gonna do it? Um, anybody here ever tried to get into shape after being out of shape? Cool, a lot of us. <laughs> you know what doesn't happen with getting back into shape? It does not happen by accident, ever. It's not like, hey, I've like, thought about this and like, I'm just gonna kind of keep living and let's just see if I get the six pack. It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen without intentionality without taking necessary steps, right? Hear me. Physical formation requires intentional living. You want to get in shape it requ- physically? It requires intentional living. The same is true with spiritual formation. Spiritual formation is very similar to physical formation, okay? That's discipleship, spiritual formation. It will not happen by accident. It requires intentionality. So what I want to do is I want to share with you a a comprehensive plan for intentional spiritual formation. That's what discipleship is. You're being formed into what? Formed into the likeness of Jesus. Okay? Say that with me. Formed into the likeness of Jesus. That's what discipleship is. It's spiritual formation. Cool? Okay. So will you guys throw up that first slide? I think it's slide number one. It's the title slide. A vision for spiritual formation, okay? Pursuing intentional discipleship to Jesus together. Those words are chosen carefully with intentionality, okay? Um, I don't know if you know this. You are being formed right now. You were being formed yesterday, all day. At all times, you are being formed, okay? Whether you realize you are or not, you're always being formed, either more into the likeness of Jesus or less into the likeness of Jesus. I want to paraphrase a mentor of mine uh, regarding this. He says, living with intentionality is the key to resisting the culture 
and the spiritual forces at work in the world that deform us. And by deform, he means lessen to the likeness of Jesus. Do you get this picture? You and I are always being formed. Culture, evil spiritual forces, uh, things beyond our control, uh, what's happening on the screen, the internet, uh, the place you live. That's why the world's so divided right now. It's because you have pockets of people all over the country that are in, in, a, in a specific culture and it's forming them. You're being formed either more into the likeness of Jesus or less. Uh, here's a good example. Last year, I think it was 2020, yeah. 20, life is a blur. 2020, um, I spent a decent amount of time in Tennessee. And it's in the South. And so uh, this has happened to me multiple times in my life because prior to COVID, I would spend a lot of time in South Africa. And if you've ever been around a South African accent, it's so like, it sounds so intelligent. You feel so, I don't know, like less intelligent as an American around them. They're like, the way they talk, you know, it's come here and those kinds of things. It's just... but I would find myself, after about a week and a half in that environment, some of, I would start to kind of pick up the accent. And I noticed it big time when I was in the South last year. I'm like talking, and the next thing I know, I'm like, y'all, like I'm starting to talk like this. And I'm like, why? I've never said y'all in my life. But I said y'all to them. Because I'm being formed in the environment that I'm in. Always. That's why you pick up an accent. Okay? You're being formed. The environment, the culture, it forms you. So if we want to be people who are formed in the likeness of Jesus, if you want to be a Christian, okay, no one's going to force you to be a Christian. You're welcome to come to the gathering if you don't want to be a Christian. But a Christian is a disciple. It's a follower of Jesus, okay? If we want to be people who are formed in the likeness of Jesus, if we want to be and make disciples here in our context, and that's Mecca Valley, what do we do? Go ahead and the next slide for me, Jenna. Slide number two. This is a framework for discipleship. Okay? And it's under these three kind of categories. Know, be, and do. So the know is like our beliefs. What do we want to believe? What information do we want to define as true? What do we want to know? Right? The next thing, be. That, that's like our identity, who we are. And then finally, do. That's really pragmatic. That's our abilities. What do we know how to do as disciples of Jesus? Know, be, and do. And hear me, the whole point with this is to be very intentional. So a lot of you parents in the room, what's your plan for discipling your children? To form them into the likeness of Jesus. Because guess what? It's not going to happen by accident. And I don't know if you know this, but the culture is after them. It it wants them to know things that have nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus, that are actually anti the gospel of Jesus. It wants them to be things that God never created them to be. It wants them to do things that actually will be really harmful to themselves and harmful to others. And guess what? It's not just kids. It's adults too. Your culture is forming you or deforming you. What is our framework? What do we want to know? What do we want to be? And what do we want to know how to do? Okay? Um, we go to the next slide, number three. Strategies. This is huge, okay? These are the activities and the rhythms that we engage in to introduce and strengthen the know, be, and do. So if we want to grow in our, like if we want to establish beliefs, 
things that we know. We want to strengthen those beliefs. These are the strategies that we're going to do that we implement to actually do that. And then to be, if we want to, if we want to establish identity and then strengthen that identity, not just in kids, but in every adult, what are we going to do? It's a strategy, right? And same thing for the do. Things that we want to know how to do. The strategy is how do we teach and then strengthen their ability to do those things. You with me? Okay, great. Um, Go ahead and go to slide number four. This is our attempt at identifying different stages of life within the church. You can look at those infants, preschool, kindergarten, first grade, that's kind of a chunk. Second and third grade, that's a chunk. Fourth and fifth grade, that's a chunk. Junior high, high school, and then adult. You could break it up much more than this, but for the sake of where we're starting, where we're going to start building out a framework for discipleship, this is the, 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 the breakdowns that we're, we're going to do, okay? You can go to the next one, slide number five. What I want to do is I want to start taking you guys through. This is going to be our plan, how we live intentionally. So the things that we, the things that we want each stage of life to know, be, and do, and then the strategies that we're going to implement to make that a reality, are you tracking with this idea? This is super important. We've got to be intentional. It's not going to happen by accident. Okay? Uh, infants, super duper safe. This is kids around zero to two. You'll see age groups up here on the right next on the title there. Those are loose. I'm not a, I'm not a child psychologist. Just bear with me. It's, it's, a, it's a rough idea. They can shift and move over time. Okay? This is, this is all we want for zero to two. We want to work together so that they know that they're safe and that they're loved. That's it. That's it. Safe and that they're loved. How are we going to do that? Next slide. Strategies. Parental engagement, okay? The biggest influence, hear me, the biggest influence on discipleship and spiritual formation is always mom and dad. Always. The days of like, Dorian's coming on to lead the youth. Like, I remember growing up, I, didn't, I wasn't a part of a youth group as a kid, but I remember watching parents just kind of go throw their kids at the youth director, the youth pastor, and go, like, just make sure my kid follows Jesus. I got to go like get dinner and stuff. It's like, that is, it didn't work. That's why you have a huge percentage. I'll share this with you in a little bit. Huge percentage of young people leaving the church when they get to college. 70%. Okay? So parental engagement, always, always, always the most important. Second, church engagement. The mission of making disciples is for all of us as well. So we get to work together to reinforce that the, the, we want the, the, those infants to know that they're safe and they're loved. And that's just through, when I say the church engagement, I'm, I don't mean necessarily the gathering. That's part of what the church does. I mean us as people. Living life together. Church engagement. Okay? And then third and finally Sunday worship gathering. So when those infants are dropped off, right, they're loved on, they're cared for, they're prayed over by someone who's freeing up mom and daddy to be at the gatherings, but also investing with intentionality in making a disciple of an infant, and that process is going to involve developing trust with that infant for mom and dad and also for the church family that they, they, they're, they're known, they're loved, and they're safe. You with me in this? That's really about creating trust, right? They can trust adults. All right, number, uh, slide seven, next age group. I'll try to fly through these because I know you guys need to probably use the restroom before we bring up Dorian and Trace. Okay, preschool, uh, two to five. What do we want them to know? In addition to the I'm safe and I'm loved piece, that's obvious. I'm gonna kind of move on to the next piece for them. We wanna start beginning to introduce this concept that Jesus loves us. 
And when I say loves us, I mean he loves me and he loves you. It's an us thing. He loves all people. He doesn't love people that look like, just like, like you or just act like you. He loves us all, right? So we want to start introducing this concept so that they know it, so that they start to believe it. Jesus loves us. And we also want to start introducing God's character, what he's like, his name, his essence, that he's good, he's gracious, he's holy, he's patient, he's forgiving, he's just, et cetera, et cetera. Okay? That's the no. The B, we want to, we want to uh, introduce the reality that who they are is a beloved daughter or a beloved son of the king of the universe. God's their father. Start introducing that concept and strengthening that concept. And the same thing is true for the rest of the family. They're a sister or a brother. They belong to a spiritual family that people that are different than them that are bound together by the blood of Jesus is now their brother or their sister. Okay, those are things, identity pieces. We want them to be that at the core of who they are. And then also what do we want them to start to learn how to do? We, start, we want to start to introduce the idea of like conflict resolution. How do you do that God's way? Hey, you took my toy. I'm punching you in the face. I'm out. Like that's what, that's what a default set is for a two-year-old. You took something from me. I'm going to hit you. We get to teach them how to handle conflict God's way, right? We get to teach them how to pray, how to engage with God. We get to teach them how to confess their sins, we get to teach them how to praise and worship. What's the point of that? Why do we have the kids in the gathering space? Is it just so they can sit there with their, their watching mom and dad sit like this? So I guess this is a time when we sit like this. Or is this a time when we actually are delivering almighty God praise and, and ascribing the most worth to him? Praise and worship, right? We want to teach them how to honor and obey their parents. We want to teach them how to have healthy relationships with adults and with kids. Okay, so that's the do. How are we going to pull this off? What strategies? You want to pull that next one up there for me, Jenna? Here's the strategies. Now, if you notice, some of these turn gray. Uh, Those are, once they kind of turn gray, it it symbolized that we're going to strengthen those things because they were introduced at a younger age. We're going to strengthen those things. It's an important thing. But we also have introduced some new strategies in that stage of life. Is this making sense, guys? Okay, so what we'll introduce, on top of parental engagement, church engagement, Sunday worship gathering, yes, quarterly socials. So Trace is in the, in the process of, of starting to get some of these going for this specific stage of life where these kids can get together quarterly to just have fun and be together. And st- again, what's gonna, there's going to be conflict in those moments. When, you take them to, when, the, when, the, when the play date is at the park and there's a fight breaking out, that's not a, gosh, I'm so tired of dealing with this. It's like, We've created discipleship opportunities to train our kids on what to do. Everything's an opportunity. It's about living with intentionality, right? So uh, quarterly socials and then GC Life Together. What I mean by GC Life Together, gospel communities, hopefully these parents or these kids, their parents are in gospel community. Gospel community is not an event. It's a people you belong to. It's a community that engages all the time relationally, right? You, you, yeah, you have your Lord's Supper gathering. That's an event. The gospel community is more than that. So those rhythms of life that's unique to that gospel community ought to, to some degree, include those children. Okay? So that's that. Um, We can go to, make sure I'm not forgetting anything. I'm going to fly through these. Sundays, I'm going to make some caveats. We'll get more into this as time progresses. Sunday mornings are going to be uniquely tailored to each stage of life in different ways. Okay? I'm going to say that just because I don't want to spend too much time breaking all this down. Okay? Uh, Slide number nine. Thank you, thank you. Kindergarten and first grade. Again, strengthening the Jesus loves us, strengthening God's character. This is when we start to introduce the story of the Bible. 
okay? And what I mean by story of the Bible is it's four acts. One, two, three, four. It's creation, right? God created everything really, really good and beautiful. There's fall, right? Mankind has chosen to rebel against God and his ways. And now creation's not the way it's supposed to be. It's jacked up. There's brokenness, all the things. Then you have redemption, act three, right? Where God puts on flesh in the person of Jesus to come and redeem and reconcile creation back to God. And then act four, finally, the way the story ends. And that is restoration or renewal. God making all things new. God going back to the garden, the way things are supposed to be forever with sin, Satan, and death fully defeated and destroyed. So start to introduce this concept to kindergarten and first graders that the Bible is it's a story of God. It's what he's doing. It's creating a worldview for them. I want them to believe this, to know this, okay? And then we introduce a couple more things here under the B, under the identity piece, is that part of who God has created us to be as we're formed in the likeness of Jesus, remember, is a servant, right? Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, want to be like him, want to live for the benefit of others, right? Um, And then steward, we're not owners. Everything that we have is a gracious gift from the Lord. He's entrusted his stuff to us for us to enjoy, for us to take care of, and for us to share. All of those above, we're teaching them these things. It's part of who they are. Imagine if children from the very young age start to understand, oh, I'm a steward, I'm not an owner. Oh man, the, 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 the way that they'll be able to fight against their temptations for greed is amazing. And they go, oh no, this doesn't belong to me. What does God want me to do with it? Oh, he wants me to enjoy it. Cool, I'm free to enjoy it without any guilt. Oh, he wants me to take care of it. I'm actually gonna like, actually care for this thing. Oh, and he wants me to share it with other people. I can freely give because I've been freely given. You with me? Steward. Okay, and then the do. What do we want to start to introduce here? We want to start to introduce how to be generous. Whether that's, whether that's them like cleaning up the room and getting 50 cents from, for a chore and tithing on it or whatever, like, or, or, or blessing somebody else in need in their community or like, again, generosity, it's a beautiful thing. And then also we want to start introducing here through K through first, the idea of affirmation and encouragement. Those of you guys in gospel community, you guys do such a good job of intentionally affirming and encouraging each other with your words. I don't know if you know this, Words are powerful. The whole saying of sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, bogus. Uh, the Bible even uses language of blessing and cursing. I don't know if you know this, but like a curse is when someone has said something about you that is contrary to the you that God created. It's not, it does not agree with the you that God created you to be. And some of you, you have curses still running through your mind where Someone, a mom or a dad or a sister or brother, like called you stupid. And that's like rolled around in your brain for decades. Those are curses. And they infiltrate your mind. And your beliefs impact your behavior. And the next thing you know, you find yourself calling somebody else stupid and cursing them because that's the way sin works, it's contagious. But what if we were people who, instead of cursing, we blessed and we consistently spoke the truth of who God's made you to be and the glory, genuine glory of God in you that we can see and witness. Not perfect yet, but bubbling up. Imagine five, six, and seven-year-olds getting in the rhythm of knowing how to affirm and honor and bless and encourage their peers. You ever, you ever been on the playground? It's not the... 
pretty intense. Kids can be mean. They're sinners. <laughs> uh, so yes, blessing instead of cursing. Slide number 10. How are we going to pull that off? <sighs> Same thing. Same strategies for that age group. They look a little bit different, but quarterly socials, parental engagement, church engagement, GC life together, Sunday worship gathering, all that stuff. That's what we're going to do to reinforce the no, be, and the do. Okay, you can go to the next one. Second and third grade. Again, you see in the picture here, we're starting to, we're strengthening the gray and we're introducing the white in each stage of life. This is where we want them to really start to know the gospel. That God became a man. He came to live the perfect life that we never could and die the death that we deserve in our place. The good news of who Jesus is and what he's done and what that means for us and how they can articulate that, what the gospel is, the good news to other people. Um, B, again, reinforcing those identity pieces, the do. We want to start to introduce how to hear God's voice at this age, um, some scripture memorization, even if it's not like an entire, you know, even if it's just that the Lord is my shepherd. Cool, that's not the entire verse, but if they get that one, whew, power, okay? <clears throat> Repentance, like actually how to turn away from sin, how to stop doing it. We want to teach them how to do that, and we want to teach them how to read the Bible, okay? You guys can go to the next one. Again, same strategies for them. We're reinforcing those same strategies. They're a little bit different. They're unique for them. Their, their time on Sunday morning is going to be different than the kindergarten and first graders, but it's still designed for them. You can go to the next one. I think we're at fourth and fifth grade, right? Okay, this is big. This is when we start to introduce that the family of God is not just here in our little, our little body. It's global. They are, they are part of a bigger story, man. They're part of a global story that's been going on for thousands of years. It's like the big C church thing, right? And then the B, again, reinforcing these elements of their identity. The do, we want to start to introduce what actual rest is. I don't know if you know this, but um, especially because of COVID, they're, they're studying that the anxiety rates in kids this age and younger is off the charts. They're created just like us adults. They need rest for their souls, we need to train them how to do that, okay? Not entertainment necessarily, but actual soul rest. And then finally, this is when we start to, be, start to give opportunities for baptism as they understand what it really means to make Jesus your Lord, to follow him with your life, to be a Christian, okay? You can go to the next one. Um, same strategies, but this age group, there's the, uh, the addition of an annual camp. Tracy's working that out. It's gonna start this next year. Fourth and fifth graders will have an annual time together away. Like us adults, we had the family of churches retreat. That was such an incredible time. Things like that for the kids. Really forming time. Okay, it's gonna be really forming for them as well. Okay, you can go to the next one. All right, junior high, high school. Again, it's still reinforcing the same things. We don't move on from them. It's not like, okay, we expect them to know all of God's character by this age. No, no, no. It's always, all this stuff is always being reinforced, okay? But we're introducing new concepts. This is where we introduce uh, the concept of spiritual gifts. How God has uniquely gifted them to serve and to bless the world, all right? They're important. God's created them in his image with unique gifts. They're gonna start to, to, to know those things, to believe those things, to see that God has made me part of a bigger picture here, to serve. Next thing, B, or yeah, the missionary piece. The missionary piece that they are now going to be empowered, but part of who they are is to participate in the discipleship of other people. 
That involves Christians and non-Christians. That's the mission. Make disciples of Jesus. All nations, all people groups, right? And then do, this is a big one, guys, especially for this age group, is how to wrestle with doubt. One of the the biggest mistakes that I've seen over the past generation is the 16-year-old or the 15-year-old or even the 13-year-old goes, yeah, but like, what about suffering? How could a good God let bad things happen? And it's like, hey, just, this is what the Bible says, believe it. Like, this is, instead of, let's talk, like, let them wrestle with their doubt. The goal here is not to shove information down their throat. The goal is for them to encounter the living God so that they, follow, they trust him and obey him and follow him. They can wrestle with their doubts with the Lord. That's a good thing. We want to help them do that in a healthy way, okay? Um, next, you can go to the strategies here. Again, guys, parental engagement, especially in this stage of life, biggest influence on discipleship and spiritual formation is always parents. Um, we're in the process of putting together a resource list for all the parents based on stage of life and based on what it will reinforce and the no be and do. That's coming to you soon. We'll make all that available to you, obviously, for free. Parental engagement's huge. Church engagement is huge, right? The relational interaction with the entire church family. They're part of our church. If, if, you're, if you're a young person in the room, I don't know if there's any of them, like, they need to know they are a valuable member of this body. They're part of the family. There's a seat at the table for them, okay? And then Sunday worship gathering, obviously participation is invaluable. Like, they're going to be serving, right? They'll be doing tech and they'll be doing different things. They'll be incorporated into the life of all this. Sitting under the preaching of God's word is really important with them. Talk with them about it. Moments of experiencing God's presence, all that stuff. They're going to do an annual camp as well. Um, they're going to do monthly socials here. It goes from quarterly to monthly. Dorian announced one today. Time for them to get together just for the sake of building relationships, those kinds of things. And then it says gig. It's basically like something to the effect of groups that investigate God together. Okay, Those are going to be gender-specific, smaller spaces. Um, we've done things like Alpha in the past where it's a really safe environment to explore the bigger questions in life and how God integrates with that. Dorian's gonna, he's, he's building all that out right now. But something to that effect, again, these are strategies to reinforce the know, the be, and the do. And then gospel community. This is what gets me really excited. So the way, the way we see it working, and all this is kind of flexible. The know, the be, and the do isn't going anywhere. The strategies, we're gonna shift and change and try things and do that, right? But what gets me really excited, especially for the youth, is there's, they're going to have a monthly social where they can come and just be. They can invite their friends. They can have fun. Again, creating safety, creating, uh, I don't know, just a fun environment, right? Relationally. They can connect there. And from that space, they can, that can be a pool to then go to like one of these groups where they can investigate deeper questions. No expectations. Really safe to talk about anything. Okay, and then from there, as people, as 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 youth start to become more aware of the beauty and the glory of God, and the, and the reality and what 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 the gospel actually is, now that can feed into a gospel community, and you can have youth for the time that we have them journeying together in a very similar way, not, although they're not the same as you adults do in your gospel community. And then guess what? That gospel community can invite a bunch of their friends to go do a social and go, dude, you got to check out the alpha group. or You got to check out the gig group that Dorian and Rosie are doing. Okay, cool. And then from there, we can see new gospel communities get formed and it can be this cycle of reinforcing, strengthening, and establishing the no, be, and then do. Okay? That's that. We'll t- roll out more. I'm going really long, but it's okay. 
Next one, this one's big. This is for all of you in the room, adults. There's one thing in white on that entire thing. That does not mean, it's fasting, by the way. That does not mean that the only thing that we're focusing on is fasting. Uh, We talked about getting a six-pack, that will do it. No, it's just what we introduce. But do you see? No, be and do. And you might look at this and go, dude, I don't, I actually don't know my spiritual gifts yet. Or, dude, this whole idea of like praise and worship. I was watching some of you guys. There's, there's some stuff there that we need to learn. Hearing God's voice. You might find yourself with some gaps on here. Hear me. Exactly. The mission of God is to make disciples of Jesus. It's what we give ourselves to. There's gifted men and women in this room who God has literally sent to you for the purposes of discipleship. And they've been sent to you for the purposes of your discipleship. That's what the staff is giving our life to. Are you seeing this? The intentionality of the know, the be, and the do. Go ahead and go to the strategies for me, Jenna, quick. Sunday worship gathering, obvious strategy. Intro to gospel community. It's a safe place, right? Experiencing, it's an experience where we get to introduce adults to what gospel community life actually is. Established gospel community, right? Following Jesus together. The annual retreat, we just got back from it. Such a formative experience. Dude, it was crazy. That was an insane time. So formative. Quarterly socials or regular socials, we'll start to roll those out. We just had one last month. I think we're gonna do another one this next month. And then DNA groups, which are optional and what those are, those are same gender, very small, like three to five people where you just kind of go very deep relationally in discipleship for a season in a specific growth area in your discipleship. Strategies. You can go to the last slide for me quick. So you have these strategies that are going to reinforce, introduce and strengthen and reinforce the know, the be, and the do for every stage of life. And the result is a mature disciple is someone who is formed more and more into the likeness of Jesus, who's becoming more and more like him, and who begins to value the same thing that Jesus values. These are our six values. They're not there because they sound cool. They're there because they're what Jesus values. Jesus values the gospel. He came preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. He values family. God is our father. We're brothers and sisters Jesus came to adopt you into an eternal family. He depended on the Spirit. Everything that he did was empowered by the Spirit, depending on the Spirit of God. He values mission. Dude, the guy left heaven. Like, I just referred to Jesus as the guy. That could be really reverent, like the guy. But like, he left his throne. Talk about being a sent one coming. Why? To save us, to see us redeemed. He values multiplication. He took 12 men and literally told them, Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations and the gospels made its way to us 2,000 years later. He gave his life to not just seeing people added to the kingdom, but seeing generational multiplication. The kingdom of heaven is like seeds. Throw them, scatter them, and watch the fruit that they produce. And he values renewal, seeking the renewal of all things. 
All right, one more thing before I give you a five-minute break. I threw this stat already, but I want you to hear me say this. Currently, 70% of kids leave the church during college. So they're part of the church. I want to try to disassociate myself for a second and not get emotional. We saw all these kids come up here. I want you to imagine 70% of them in about 10 years leave the church. Think about that. That's what's happening in our country right now. 70%. Think about the long-term effects of that. What happens if in 30 years, like how many Christians will there be? Um, How many of you guys are familiar with Barna? Anybody in the room familiar with Barna? A handful of us? Okay, Barna is basically a Christian organization that does a lot of work analyzing data um, and specifically like the status of the church in America, of Christianity in America. They do incredible studies, okay? The president of Barna, this guy, David Kinnaman, I want to paraphrase something that he said recently. Listen to this. The data shows that the American church is an irreversible decline. Let that sink in. Just picture the, the line graph. The church in America is an irreversible decline. That means the plane is headed for the ground and you can't pull up the lever in time to get it from not crashing irreversible decline. He says this, barring radical youth discipleship and a miraculous move of God, it's pretty much over. I know we don't feel this in Temecula where there's a church on every corner and, you know, I just got back from Portland. Very, very different world, guys. Travel, 70% irreversible decline unless a miraculous, radical move of God and radical youth discipleship. It's pretty much over. Yet the mission of the church remains the same. Matthew 28 is still there. The commission on your life and on my life is still the same, okay? Jesus' call and commissioning of us remains the same. So my question is this. How do we reverse the decline in discipleship? How do we give ourselves to the mission of being formed into the likeness of Jesus and helping others do the same? In the words of the great theologian Montel Jordan, this is how we do it. I love doing that, by the way. I try to find some stupid dad joke. But this is how we do it. Like, the framework, the know, the be, and the do, the intentional living. That's how we do it. This is how we do it. Hit the music. By living with intentionality at every single age and stage of life, this is where we direct our energy. Listen to me. This is where every dollar goes. Okay? All right. You guys just listened to me talk for an hour and 20 minutes. Well done. Please, please, please take a five minute break. Go use the restroom, grab some water, stretch, 
We're, we're going to spend about 20 more minutes. Lunch is almost here. Okay? Go ahead, take a five-minute break, and then Dorian and Tracy are going to come up. Come find a seat. We, uh, like I said, we wanted stools, so we'll stand. No stools. Uh, no. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Let's back up. We can see everybody. This stand. It's kind of funky. Thank you, guys. Oh, hey, uh, somebody asked me, Jason asked me a great question. And I meant to mention this in the talk. I'll take 20 seconds. He said, dude, if, if giving, if monthly giving hasn't been matching or it's, or it's been in the red, how do we have such a large surplus in savings? The reason we have a large surplus in savings is we've had a, we've had a couple, a little more than a couple, very generous gifts over the last two years that have really helped us uh, keep and build a savings. So just so that you know, I want to be transparent. This is a great question, dude. Okay. Listen. One of the things that's going to be crucial for us is to understand the reality that we are all in this together. Um, I kind of mentioned it before, but if we expect um, that somebody other than the primary caregivers of a child are going to carry the bulk of their discipleship, their spiritual formation, right, and the likeness of Jesus, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna fail. We're straight up going to fail. But if we can genuinely commit to each other and go, hey, I'm a Christian. I've been given this great commission from God himself to make disciples of all people groups. And I'm working together in collaboration with the rest of the people in this church family to one, disciple each other and to disciple all of the kids. This is a mission field, man. If we can work together and seeing every single human, whether they're an infant or they're 100 years old, as valuable made in the image of God, image bearers, if we can view them that way and we can work together, I really believe that God can do incredible, amazing things. So many of you guys know this, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, Tracy Carpenter leads the way for kids ministry. Give her some love. The incomparable Dorian Stevens is stepping into youth. Yes. And so uh, I'm going to have them share just a little bit with you because I think it's important so that you can hear directly from them. Many of you guys already know them really well, love them deeply, um, but I think it's important um, for them to share a little bit today before we close. And then I want to close by praying over them. Um, but before we close, I, wanna, I want them to share because I know them both really well. And I know that these aren't just like random people that are part of our church that we need someone to step in and do it. These are people that we genuinely have identified. Like we believe there's a call of God on their life. So him leading the way, not just me or Herrick or anybody else. Um, That's been affirmed in community. So it's not just our opinion that that's what God's saying. It's multiple people. Um, And not only that, but like they genuinely have a wealth of knowledge and experience specifically um, in their, like if you want to talk about resume kind of thing, they genuinely have experience in these areas uh, that they're biblically qualified and they are practically qualified. Make sense? Yes. So, all that being said, maybe we could start with you, Trace. Will you just 
share them a little bit about your background in terms of child development and ministering to kids and family ministry and those kinds of things. And then we'll switch it over. Yes. Um, so I went to school at Cal State Long Beach to go to school to be a teacher. Got my um, bachelor's degree in liberal studies with an emphasis in math, but don't ask me to do any mental math. Cribbage is hard. Um, that's just counting to 15. So, um, but decided not to get my credential. I was a little too feisty for the political climate at that time. And I feel like God was like, just, I don't think your heart can handle it. I don't think you'll bring glory to me uh, that way. Um, and so um, we had been newly married, um, had a couple different jobs, and then got hired at um, our church when we were living out in Costa Mesa. Here. There we go. My favorite. Um, and got hired. I was, we were going to Rock Harbor out in Costa Mesa, which if you don't know, it's a church with, um, like, at that time, it was a little over 3,000 people. And a kids ministry with about, like, 350 or to 500 kids, somewhere in there. And um, I was hired as the childhood director, so I oversaw the um, zero to three-year-olds, and I had um, 150 little zero to (laughs) three-year-olds, and oversaw them over, like, their three services that they that they had. And at that time, um, the family's director of Rock Harbor, Dr. Michelle Anthony, um, had been in ministry for like 23 years running kids ministry and felt like God had told her, you need to do something different. Like, I appreciate what you've done, but my kids aren't knowing me. Um, and a lot of that is shown here as far as, um, that 70% of kids that were leaving. And, Um, not really having a personal relationship with Jesus. And then really parents thinking that you just drop your kids off, you teach them about Jesus, and then I'm going to go teach them how to live in the real world. And um, so God really gave her a vision of a whole different ministry. Instead of kids ministry, it was like family ministry, Um, which it's pretty cool to see where I'm able to kind of look back and be like, wow, like I'm at a church where the whole church is like family ministry. And if I really think about it, I'll get really emotional because it's just, it's, I think you all know how good you have it here with the leadership that you have, but to be somebody who's been on staff before, like, I don't know how good you know that we have it and just the blessing that we have in the leadership of, um, these two couples of really following Jesus and then, and, and taking ownership of it, not just like okay, here you go. And it's like kids ministry or family's ministry is like a whole different church. We're just, we're one family. So I really have no words for you guys. Um, But with that, what we did is we um, kind of started implementing how to make parents primary and then how to have kids worship and respond. And a publishing company reached out to the staff at that time, and we partnered with them to write a curriculum. And so while running the ministries, we also would, um, we were writing this pretty fun curriculum and then training up other churches and doing conferences as well. While also, um, we, it was during the time like when um, 
lots of campuses, not church plants, and so um, helped oversee and launch four campuses with the early childhood um, as the early childhood director. So um, it's kind of crazy what some people think some people are capable of. Um, but yeah, so with that, oversaw the four different campuses, the um, early childhood teams, and eventually they realized like you can't keep that up. So like somebody was overseeing elementary at five campuses, early childhood five campuses, and they placed us um, as family pastors just to one campus at a time. And so then I was down at the South County campus and oversaw the ages zero to marriages um, there for a couple of years. And that's where I met Jules. So, and the griefs. It was a great time. Um, then felt like God was calling us to foster care and grow our family that way. And so stepped off staff, which really was probably the hardest sacrifice to do because I loved it. Um, I loved getting to meet with parents and the kids. It was just, it really, it is how God created me. It's something that he, he gave me the gifts to be able to do. Um, and then during that time there as well, like really give me specific training that I feel has really prepared me to be here with you guys. Um, so release that to him and then lo and behold, Four years later, we moved to Temecula, and we're sitting here in this new church plant, and I felt like God had been saying, um, hey, I, I think, like, I want you to do something part-time. So I actually met with, like, Bethany to talk about, like, Primarily Pure, and it was just kind of like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I really have that. And then the, we found um, Restored, and just, like, the kids kept showing up and showing up, and I was like, I don't I don't." No, like, I don't ever want to, like, step into something, like, if God isn't leading me there, because then it doesn't go well. And um, so, yeah, fast forward, here I am. I get to do what I love, and um, I think it's just been a sweet gift of God just being like, thank you for putting it down in order to pick up something else that is really out of your comfort zone, which is foster care. I'm not sure whose zone of comfort that is in, but, um, but to put that down and then like get, just give the gift of being here and then having it be a true family of people who were in this together. It is not just me who's in charge of kids ministry and, um, we're like this little side church that's happening. Um, but it's really all of us. And so one of the things that I really, um, I wrote it down because I don't think I'd be able to say it again. If it's, it's not this whole piece of paper. It's a sentence at the end of it. Um, but with all of my experience, I've been able to see um, what leadership can do. They can either encourage you in your spiritual gifts or use you for your spiritual gifts. And I will not do that. Um, like my number one goal is to not do that. So with all of this that we have up here, I know that um, like there's stirring in your heart for like a part of that. Like I really feel like I was made uniquely to do the socials. Brittany, where are you? Um, Or like to help with that. I want you to be a part of that. And I might ask you thinking that this is your gifting or something. You're like, you read that way wrong. Please be honest with me. 
Um, but I also will be asking some of you to kind of step into something maybe that you haven't before because I can see that God has made you that way and you just haven't been discipled to like walk in that. But please know and trust me that my number one thing is to like protect you and your heart and your discipleship to Jesus is the first priority. Not figuring out how to like make our kids ministry the coolest ever or anything. So I just, I really love you guys and I value you and, um, All right, same question for Dorian, kind of background experience. And I know you did, you did a great job of like sharing a bit of your heart too, which is wonderful. So just, yeah, man, you got time. All right. How's it going? <laughs> you know, I was looking at my shoes and then I had my jacket on. I'm still California, guys. It was like 60 degrees and I'm just like, I'm going to throw all this on. <laughs> um. Yeah, man, a little bit about my background. Um, I did, too, go to school, um, but did not complete anything. But I did meet my wife at Cal State Dominguez Hills. (laughs) I brought home the real trophy. Um, (laughs) I worked... I worked at Child Development Center at Cal State Dominguez Hill, so that was kind of my background as well. So I studied uh, child development, um, went to school for that, was in class, um, I paid attention. Um, <laughs> the Child Development Center at Dominguez Hills was uh, growing at the time as well, too, so it was a little small kind of center. Um, they asked a team of us to actually sit there and um, develop a $4 million project to actually um, get the Child Development Center um, larger because they were just growing. The kids, um, parents were dropping off their kids so they can go to school. So I was a part of that. That was really, really cool. Um, fast forward, though, um, came out here to Temecula. Uh, we followed um, Rosie's parents out here. Um, he's a firefighter. He actually retired LA County, and uh, we needed some help. So we came out here and we spent some time with them for about nine months here in Temecula. In the meantime, my mother-in-law said, hey, you need a uh, different job. And I was like, yeah, you're right, I do. You know? So she was like, why don't you check out the Boys and Girls Clubs? I'm a Boys and Girls Club kid, so I'm a product of Boys and Girls Clubs. Um, I went to the Boys and Girls Clubs. Majority of my childhood played basketball, all that good stuff. Um, so I went, and I started from the bottom, and just worked my way up. Um, in between that, I did some restaurant stuff, so I kind of came out, went into the restaurant, but always had Boys and Girls Club background. Came back to the Boys and Girls Club after I had some kind of mishaps in the restaurant industry and became a director of the Boys and Girls Clubs. So I directed um, Temecula, um, Lake Elsinore, uh, and uh, Marietta. So all three clubhouses, um, I had a chance to actually direct. Uh, we had, gosh, man, well over... Maybe all three clubhouse, we're probably servicing maybe about 20,000 kids in the community. Um, it's a really cool opportunity just to be out there and hang out with the kids, you know. So through that, um, I've always had a heart for kids. Um, so we, me and Rosie actually did some ministry inside of another church. Um, we actually got a chance to be the youth director at a different church. And that started, honestly, with about eight kids. Yeah, about eight kids. 
And um, our main goal was to love on them, um, is to basically uh, open up our hearts, open up our home, um, and really just love on them. So that's what we did. We did that with eight kids. And then eventually these eight kids started to tell their friends. Um, they said, hey, this is a safe place. Come and hang out. So that's what they did. And they started to grow and grow and grow and grow. Um, by the time I left there, um, there was probably about 50-plus kids um, just really enjoying Jesus. We went to camps. We went to concerts. Um, our house was like literally a, a playground for them. <laughs> you know? um, it, was, it was just beautiful. Um, there was some church hurt that um, allowed me to recognize where Jesus was moving me and um, definitely moved me into the right direction. And that's how we found Restored. And that's like a little short little snippet of my story. There's so much more. Um, it's funny because one of our things was kids. Because um, we have we had a daughter at that time. She was like, what, four? You know? And we were like, hey, I hope that she has a safe place to actually make friends and everything. And lo and behold, we opened a door and like 30 plus kids came to greet her. You know? So that was beautiful. Um, but yeah. That is a little snippet of my background here, just with kids. Um, I have a desire for kids. I have a heart for kids. I love kids. Um, they're our future, um, definitely our future. And um, I can see, too, just how the enemy just wants them to get sifted out, um, just because it's easier. You know, they want to do the things of the world, you know. But um, it's a sacrifice to sit and just listen to the kid love on the kids, um, and encourage the kids. And that's what I want to do. You know, I want to make a space for it. I want to make it safe. And I want to partner with the parents in this room. So, um, that's really big. I love what Tom said, um, just partnering with parents. I want you guys to be a part of it. I want you guys to know. I want you guys to know what you guys' kids are going through. I want them to feel safe to actually talk to you guys um, and be there for your kids. So, um, yeah. That's about it, honestly. Um, about eight, nine years of experience in the clubs. Um, eight, ni- <laughs> eight, nine years experience with... Not, not the club. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm totally kidding. Boys and Girls Club. Yeah. You know? And then uh, eight, nine experience uh, with uh, just youth ministry. So I'm stoked. I'm excited, guys, to be here. Done, guys. You guys are fantastic. Stay up here, stay up here. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to close. Um, I gave them three prompts, and these two exquisitely was able to deliver all three of them in such a concise amount of time. So what I want to do is I want to end our gathering doing two things. The first thing is I want us to lay hands on them and pray over them. Uh, There's a spiritual component to the work that they give themselves to that, hear me when I say, is intense, guys. Uh, Dorian was in bed all day yesterday. And it wasn't because, oh, I got sick. Like, there's legitimate, um, it was like vertigo stuff, right? <clears throat> Not a coincidence, okay? Um, he's stepping into, a, into an area of service where there's a lot at stake spiritually. I don't know if you know this, but there's nothing more valuable than the human soul. Uh, there's a reason why God and Satan are at war over it. And Dorian and Tracy are stepping into a space of influence and leadership for the generation behind us that will carry the torch of the gospel forward. The work that they're giving themselves to, I know you would agree with me, is vital. And I don't know if there's a more important ministry on the face of the earth. 
So here's what I want to do. I want us to come up. Let's come up. I want us to lay hands on them and pray over them. Um, JB, would you mind leading us in prayer, dude? Would you be cool with that? Um, maybe you can open us and I can close us. You cool with that, dude? Gather around, everybody. If you want to open us, I'll close us if you're cool with that. Or you want me to open? Okay, perfect. All right. Let's pray. Father, we recognize that you are the giver of the gifts. And I know that uh, it's been a, <laughs> it's been a long journey for Tracy and for Dorian, uh, the prior, really the prior decade. It's been filled with glorious examples of your grace and mercy on their life, and it's also been filled with a lot of pain and challenges. But I also believe um, wholeheartedly that, um, that you've used their life experience to prepare them and to bring them uh, as a gift to us for this season, to care for families, to care for children, to care for youth. And we just want to stop, pause for a moment and recognize and honor you and honor them and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. They really are gifts to us. We want to honor them. We want to recognize them. But we also want to honor and recognize you as the source. We praise you, Jesus. We ask that you'd fill them with your spirit. You'd protect them, mind, body, and soul, and that they would um, feel so supported, not just by us, but by you, and that they would, uh, they'd be freed up to minister from a place of being deeply loved and valued by you, Jesus. And that this group of people, this men, these men and these women, these boys and these girls, that they would reinforce that value in them. They're seen, they're known, they're loved, they're appreciated. So Jesus, we praise you, we thank you. I want to thank you for these two, for Dorian, for Tracy, for their families. I want to thank you for the ways in which they've stepped out vulnerably. And I thank you that you've got their back. I thank you that the way that you see them is really, it's always better than the way that we even see ourselves. I thank you that you, um, Dorian, I feel like the word for you is bulletproof that the enemy would love to take you out. You almost get this picture of like a bullet. You're getting shot and it just like comes out from your mouth. It's kind of weird, but, <laughs> but it's like he's protecting you. And Tracy, I pray for you. And the thing I see is I see you dancing. Like you're the, the fun aunt, the funt. Um, the fant. Oh, is it not a funt? Okay. Does that mean something else? Okay. Whatever that meant, <laughs> that God's made you in a very unique way. That like you're, you're fun, like you're, you're really experienced, like you're good at this, but you're also really fun. And I think that, uh, I think God just delights in the way that he's made both of you. He's, you've, you're protected and you're delighted in as, as a son, as a daughter. And so, Father, I thank you for these two. And I pray that you would bless these ministries. Ultimately, these kids, that these kids would become 
a part of what you want to do in the world to take your gospel to the ends of it and usher in the, the return of Jesus. And this next generation is squarely in the crosshairs of that. So I thank you for the, for the investment that these two will make, not just them, but we as a community will make in our children through them. And I pray that you would protect them even after today. I feel like, yeah, they're going to have targets on their backs. Protect them and keep them delighted in your love. We love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Thanks, guys. So here's what we're going to do. We're done. We need everybody to grab two things and help us put it away so we can get out of here on time. Uh, Mark, will you give direction to people? Uh, Chairs, I think, can stay, but I think it's like cables and those kinds of things. So, Mark, if you can be the foreman and start directing us. And kids. And can you direct them? Yeah. And some people come to Tracy. She'll tell you what to do for kids so we can get everything torn down really quick and you can go get your cheeseburger. Okay? Love you all very much. Thank you for the long family meeting. Super important. Grace and peace to you. Peace in your heart. Thank you.